This is the Ezra Podcast. And we have a big fight this weekend. I think that maybe people are trying to downplay it a little bit. That it's not a big fight. But it's a big fight because it has a lot of implications in the heavyweight division. The heavyweight division is always going to be a money division in boxing. And you have Tyson Fury who... You know, as one claim of being, you know, has claimed to be that he's the best heavyweight fighter in the world right now. And he's fighting Dylan White, who, you know, took a long path to get here. Um, some of that is on him, on why it took so long to get here. Um, some of it isn't, if we're being honest. But he's finally here. He's getting his shot at the heavyweight crown against Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury coming off, you know, two uh, massive wins against Deontay Wilder, also on Tyson Fury's resume, you have uh, dethroning Klitschko, right? Where you out Klitschko's Klitschko. Uh, also, the auto wall-in win, which was like a tune-up win between the Deontay Wilder fights, now is aging better because Wallen's considered really a contender at this point, and I think he might go on to get some decent wins, depending on how he's matched up. So now you have a fight here where Tyson Fury's on top of the world, right? And uh, he's, he's finally back. Uh, where he's from in in England, massive crowd and Dylan White. You know it's all it's all European heavyweight fight, so maybe that's why it's being downplayed here in the states. But I think it's I think it's big. I think it has a big fight feel to it. I know it's gonna have a big fight feel there and the when it's happening. But I guess the point is, you know, what if we get down to it, and this is what we do here. We talk fights. We talk how these matchups could look and what's the storyline going into them. It's like, does Dylan White have a chance? And I'm gonna be honest with you, it's gonna. His chance is going to be either increase a lot or completely disappear at the weigh-ins. Because Tyson Fury comes in around 270, 260-ish. He's going to win this fight in the landslide. He's going to be able to box, fight a distance, get his legs back. But if he comes in at 280, 290, right? If he comes in 280, high 280s, uh, 290, he's not going to be able to move like he used to, right? He's going to come in with the same strategy he had against Wilder. But this isn't Wilder. I'm not saying that Dylan White's better than Wilder, but he just does, fights different, right? Matchups make fights, styles make fights, and Dylan White is a little bit craftier on the inside than than Wilder is. So I don't think just putting pressure on him will necessarily break him. I think that that actually gives him his best opportunity to win this fight. Now, if Fury could keep at the distance with his jab, White's going to get wild and he'll get a little restless. He'll get a little impatient. But, you know, at points, he if he gets in and Fury looks to smother, I just think Dylan White could do some good work there. And I think that it could get interesting at that point, at that position of the fight. You know, I, I expect Tyson Fury, and it's hard to tell, right? Because I'm looking at him, you know, the shape he looks in in these videos and his training. He looks in shape, so it looks like it's like around the 270-ish, right? Tyson Fury. But we're going to see. Because if he comes in heavy, he's going to have to fight, use the jab. And he wasn't as sharp in the third Deontay Wilder fight as he was in the second. If we're being honest, he just wasn't as sharp. And did that lead to the fight being more competitive? I think so. It led to a, a, a definitely more beatable Tyson Fury because he was there. His shots weren't sharp. His leg was, he was kind of stumbling around. If he gets that kind of fight with Dylan White, Dylan White could win that fight. He just can. Because Dylan White doesn't need a lot of to get his power off. He doesn't. Like, I know he loops his shots wild. No, that, that's more... Uh, you know, just because of the technique he uses, because he finds very interesting. He kind of like pokes his shots, and then sometimes he just gets outpatient, just swings wildly. He also needs to be planted. Like if you fall, if you push him back, like if you're able to get him moving and get him off his spot, he's gonna fall apart. Like he he has he cannot do that. But if he's, if he's able to be planted and just pick his shots, and the way he chooses to just like poke his shots where he can generate some good power from, he becomes his you know his most dangerous. 
so it's very curious to see, you know, if Tyson Fury is heavy and he gets in that position, right, where they're getting that kind of fight. Because if he gets in that kind of fight, Tyson Fury is going to have to keep the range, but he's going to do it with the jab to the right. He's going to have to be sharp. And he can't fall in. Because he falls in, he could get rocked. Let's not forget, too, Tyson Fury, when he fought Wallen, got a big cut. And that forced him to be extremely aggressive in that fight. And he was really effective, too, in that fight. But if we get that with Dylan White and you'd rather be that aggressive, that, that that's really going to be bad news for him. I mean, these are a lot of, you know, and I understand there's a lot of hypotheticals for Dylan White to be competitive in this fight, it sounds like. But this is the case, right? You don't really know what you're getting with Fury. He comes in at 270 pounds, he's just going to box uh, Dylan White all over the ring. He can move around the ring and Dylan White's not going to be able to catch him or keep up with him. And it, it's going to be, he's going he's gonna to style on him. That, that's just the truth of it. So the, the, the weigh-in is going to be a big determining factor in how this fight's going to look. Now, what are the you know what happens if uh, Dylan White wins this fight? Well, then at that point, Dylan White will be in. Uh, you know, remember this is a a mandatory, so there there's no rematch clause on this fight. Dylan White will be in position to fight the winner of Usyk and Joshua. And Dylan White, after all these guys that we talked about, right, Fury, Wilder, uh, Joshua, even at one point Ruiz, Dylan White would now enter his name, and he'd be the guy that has a potential of becoming undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. That's how quick boxing is, right? That's how boxing can be that quick, where it could just flip all upside down, flip on its head on what the possibilities are. And a guy that you never really was in the conversation, right, as possible to being the top guy, will have the opportunity of being the top guy. Now, I don't expect Dylan White to win this fight. I expect Tyson Fury to win this fight. I expect Tyson Fury to win this fight and then go for undisputed. Now, I know the retirement talks is happening. I don't buy it for a second. No one buys it for a second. Tyson Fury is going to go on a fight because he has a big, massive payday with the winner of Usyk versus Joshua. And I'm going to say it's a bigger payday if it's Joshua. I think we all know that. Yeah, I think Tyson Fury... We try to deny. I think people try to deny that how big of a star he is, but I think that it's going to show this weekend how big of a star Tyson Fury is. I think he's this. I think the pay per view is going to do good numbers. I think, of course, the sellout, the stadium is going to be huge impact. And when this guy fights, you know, it's just I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I think people, you know, people are mad because he beat Wilder, but this guy's a star. When he's on screen, you watch. I think he's going to put on a good performance. I'm just curious. That if he puts on, you know, he he comes in here at 280, 290, wins a rough, rugged fight. You know, going forward, I'm sorry, but if it's the, the Tyson Fury that fought in the third Wilder fight, Joshua could beat him. Usyk could beat him. If he's as sharp as he was in the second fight, he might be unbeatable. And if he comes in shape with the knowledge that he has and the style that he has in the second fight, at around 270, mid-270, high 270s, I don't think he could be beat by any heavyweight right now. But it's really all up to, you know, the dedication and the consistency that Tyson Fury brings. And with Tyson Fury, that's always going to be a question just because of his history and his background. I'm going to take Tyson Fury in this fight. I think that he comes in a little heavy. I think he comes in with the style to put pressure. I think he's going to use a jab and a right hand. I think he'll get interesting in the clinches. I think there will be moments where Fury, uh, Dylan White is able to land. I think I don't know. I don't think he puts down Fury, but I do think he lands some big shots that, you know, maybe, you know, 
give people the edge of their seats in a way. But I think Tyson Fury will control this fight at a distance. He will land the bigger shots. Dylan White will struggle with the range. He will get a little frustrated in this fight. I'll take Tyson Fury by decision, which I think is not a popular pick. And I think a lot of people are picking Tyson Fury by stoppage. I'll take him by decision in this fight. In a fight that's going to have uh, some moments for Dylan White. I don't think Dylan White's a boring fighter. I, I've never really seen him in a boring fight. He's actually in, usually in pretty good fights. I expect this to be an entertaining fight. And even if Tyson Fury comes in shape and is just able to style on Dylan White, I still think it'll be interesting. Because Tyson Fury, when he starts landing and he gets like uh, like he did against Schwartz and is able to do that stuff, he, he he's an entertainer. He just that's just what he does. I don't expect it to be like a Klitschko like performance. I think Klitschko had a lot to do with why that fight looked that way. Now I'm gonna do something that I don't ever really do, right? I'm gonna talk about a fight and I'm gonna break down a fight and I'm gonna pick a winner on a fight that's not even signed yet. But I think that that's important to do this week. I think it's important that we start talking Earl Spence versus Terence Crawford. And I, I, I studied the fights. I I, bro, I studied their fights. I broke it down. Um, especially important to, you know, of Earl Spence after Ugas, especially to see the Earl Spence that we got versus Ugas, what he looked like. And the Terrence Crawford that we got against Porter, I think that we're coming in this fight at the right time. I think that there's no questions. These are the two top guys. There's no questions of where they're at in their career. These guys are ready to go. They're sharp. They're in their prime. I don't want to hear anything else. I'm sorry. I don't care about their age or anything like that. These guys are in their prime. These are two top guys that are ready to go. So I break down this fight. Earl Spence. I, I, I'm i going to say it happens at the end of this year. It seems like everything's heading in that direction. I don't think Earl Spence brings this fight up unless it's going to happen. He's not the kind of guy. If you look at him, all his, his interviews before and everything, he, he never really... Uh, he said he wanted the fight, but if we could make it happen, he was never definitive about it because he never was sure that it could happen. Now he knows it's going to happen. He knows that the talks were made. There was uh, basically a contract laid out. There was the, I think that to me, the deal is pretty much done. They pretty much know what it's going to be. And I think that's why Earl Spence is so confident calling uh, Terrence Crawford out. So I think this fight happens later this year. What is this fight going to look like? Now you got Terrence Crawford, uh, you got Earl Spence, who's back to putting that pressure on, back to that work rate. Not like the one he fought Danny Garcia, because I really believe that he wasn't the same Earl Spence when he fought Danny Garcia. Really believe he was still healing, and maybe getting the rust off in that performance, because the Earl Spence who fought Ugas is is the the old animal that Earl Spence was. That pressure, that consistent um, work rate. But he was more—he was more craftier in the distance, right? He was more crafty at distance. He was able to kind of like match what Ugas could do at a distance. He was able to match it, so that way they kept kind of kept Ugas thinking. And then when Ugas got paused a little bit, like and far, like trying to figure out, you know, how to counter the what the distance game was, Earl just kind of stepped in on him and just started putting it on him. And he, he was so good at when he steps in, and it's little things, right? It's like a little tilt of the upper body. Right, little tilt to gain that space instead of trying to do it with your legs. See, a lot of times you tell a guy like, "Oh, go put pressure on him, get on the inside," and then the guys end up right chest to chest with each other, and their toes are touching. Right, that's that's not the skill of it. This, what Earl Spence does is all skill. Okay, he he gets in there, he keeps the distance for his legs, he does a tilt with his upper body, bends his knees. Right, with the tilt of upper body gains the space to cut the to um, get in the close range. Right, he's right on you. 
but his legs are far back so they can still move. He's not he's not crowded with your feet, right? He's not stumbling around. He's not putting his body weight on you. He's not doing that. He's not relying on you at any point of it. So when he gets on the inside of you and he's all that range and then you're closed up and you're like, okay, I'm just trying to, you know, you're so used to like being able to smother. You can't even, you can't even clinch him because only thing is up is on you is his upper body, right? It's only his upper body. So it's really just his forehead that's on you and he's getting all his full range. He has full distance to get all the range and leverage on his punches to your body, to your head. This is because of an expert right at, at his craft and what he does and what he on this pressure fighting on these body punches on this inside fighting that you know when people think of inside fighting and they think like you gotta get in on them no space you're smothering them he doesn't do that he doesn't do it with his legs he doesn't do it with his body he's smothering you right with the distance that's the only thing that's smothered you can't even clinch him he's so close you can't even clinch him he's not i mean he's he's body right lower body so far away you can't even clinch him and he's able to really tear you apart and it, he's got a lot of room to adjust his legs where you're going so you're just kind of in defense mode and you're so crowded that you can't see what's going on and he has all the space to work but he's better on the outside that's what i'm saying like at this moment in his career he's better on the outside than he was versus cal brook because in the cal brook fight he kind of struggled on the outside and he kind of had to just choose to walk through shots and now he's more defensively aware, especially coming forward. They don't have to walk through shots like that. He's able to uh, jab his way in, right? He's, he knows how to get the one shot to put you on your guard, and then he knows how to cover the range right away. He has more tricks to get in. You know, he's going to fight Terrence Crawford, who is looking to stay aggressive and is looking to take chances because he truly believes in his speed, his power, and his precision. Right, and he's so balanced in his movement. The thing about Earl Spence is that sometimes he takes a step back. He's not very balanced, and this is exactly why in that fight, if you look at the commentary from the PBC, like uh, I guess their second team broadcast, the one that's on YouTube, a lot of times the guys are just yelling, "Oh, Earl Spence is hurt," and he really isn't hurt. He's just kind of off balance because he loses the balance going backwards. It has a lot to do with the sideways stance. It has sometimes just a dude just. He's just not good for taking a step backwards. I think once he takes, he's good maybe on the first step like he was against Mikey Garcia, but on the second step, like if you have to force him to kind of run his way out of there with the back step, he will get extremely unbalanced. He also loses his guard in that stance as well. But Terrence Crawford is not that way. He's very balanced in all positions. He's running forward, going backwards, side to side movement. He's always balanced. He's always ready to strike, and he's always could get all the leverage and the shots that he needs. He's got a lot of length. Um, he could switch stances, which is so if you, you know, Earl Spence being a southpaw kind of gives all these orthodox, uh, fighters trouble because you leave your body open to his power, uh, his power body shot, right? Cause he's going to left hand on his power, that's his power hand. So when you're orthodox, his power hand has all this room and all this target to plant that shot in. Earl Terrence Crawford is going to be able to eliminate that with southpaw, right? And he'll be able to protect, even though the. You know, that shot's kind of, he kind of eliminated even too because you can't hit him in the back. That's illegal. So even just by the positioning of where Terrence Crawford is going to be, doesn't make it as easy for Will Spence to place those body shots and get all that power behind it. Now, Terrence Crawford does get hit, right? He's uh, People want to say that he isn't as skilled as other people because he gets hit or, you know, you've seen him staggered before. That's because he's willing to take a chance because he just truly believes in what, what he's doing. He's a gunslinger. He is. But he is skilled defensively. He knows what he's doing in there. But he just truly believes what he's doing so much that he's willing to take that chance. 
Because he thinks that if you exchange, he's going to beat you to it. And I truly believe that there's not anyone in boxing right now that can go into a complete firefight. Because when you go to firefight with Terrence Crawford, it's not unskilled. That's what I'm telling you. It's like with Earl Spence, the inside fighting is not unskilled. The, the firefight with Terrence Crawford is not unskilled coming from his part. He's adjusting and is very aware when you are in the middle of live fire. He's very aware. He's adjusting. He's changing his levels. He's changing his shots. He's adjusting his punches to where the opening is. This is why this matchup is so damn good. It's because the, the skill level and the things these guys do, it's not by chance. It's all by perfecting your craft. So what does this fight look like? And I want to get this out early so... I can talk this fight with anyone going forward over the next few months. I wanted to be able to talk this fight and feel confident on what I think is going to happen. I think Earl Spence is going to have to box early. I think a lot of times when you get these fights and you want it to be Hagler Hearns, right? But sometimes it's the skill level is too high and the guys are, especially in, especially with these two guys, are going to be able to read the little things that they're doing, the traps that they're setting, that it kind of leads to a stalemate. And I think that Earl Spence will probably end up winning a lot of early rounds. And I think it'll be a lot more of a boxing match. It'll look a lot more like the Mikey Garcia fight. And I think Terrence Crawford is so patient that he'll give up a few rounds. And then Earl Spence will build confidence. I think Earl Spence will then look to move in and put some body shot, put some body work in. And I think it's what Terrence Crawford will pick up his game and he'll start reacting. And I think that Earl Spence won't like that action. I think that Earl Spence leaves openings. Sometimes he punches from, uh, you know, he gets off balance. Sometimes if he misses a big shot that he commits to, he can really get off balance. And you do not do it on the Terrence Crawford. I think that happens a few times. And I think that leads to Earl Spence just boxing from from that point out. And I think he's going to make Terrence Crawford initiate his offense because Terrence Crawford is a very reactionary fighter. So if Terrence Crawford has to initiate the offense, can he do that? Especially at the level of Earl Spence. Now, Earl Spence isn't. Best thing is in boxing, but he's still a very good boxer, right? He's not. You wouldn't say that. Oh, Spence is gonna, you know. Um, I wouldn't say that he's like Floyd Mayweather. I don't think anyone would say that, right? As far as with his boxing skills, but he can box. He definitely can. And when you see good Mikey Garcia, which is the reason why I'm impressed by that victory, and even though he's oversized, Mikey Garcia, Mikey Garcia never really had great success at 147. Is because the way he chose to beat Mikey Garcia was. By outboxing him. And you, no one thought that, right? No one went in there saying, oh, Earl Spence going to outbox him. No, that put pressure on him, be too big for him. But no, he outboxes him. But then he kind of gets criticism because it's like, oh, you just, you know, you didn't stop Mike Garcia, who you're obviously too big for. And I'm like, well, he outskilled the little man, the good, skilled little man. He outskilled him. So I think Earl Spence has that. And I think that he falls back into that. And he's probably thinks, well, Terrence Carver probably can't initiate this. And I'll just be able to jab him, uh, make him pay if he overcommits, if he comes in. And I think that Terrence Crawford is going to show, uh, you know, the not only the dog, but he's going to force Earl Spence to react more than I think he wants to going backwards. I think he's going to make him work more. I think he's going to make him swing more. I think he's going to get him really off balance. I think that a lot of lead with the southpaw stance, a lot of lead left hands with a, with a lot of lead left hands to get Earl Spence to open up and to follow through with the big right hook. I think that sets up the end for Earl Spence. I think Terrence Crawford will eventually hurt and finish Earl Spence later in the fight. I think Terrence Crawford's precision and timing is honestly second to none. And I'm not just talking about in this era. I'm talking about all eras. This guy is special. 
he sees things. He's a professional hitter. And when I say that, I mean in the baseball sense. The best hitters in the world, right, the more pitches they see from you, the more they start reading exactly the speed, timing, and movement of where it is. And I think that if you start giving Terrence Crawford too many looks, and Terrence Crawford, the thing about Terrence Crawford is he can create his own looks, right? That's the thing you don't realize. You think he's reacting to what that guy's doing, but he's making that guy do. And he's making that guy initiate what he wants, to, what Terrence Crawford wants to see. I think that as the fight goes on, he gets stronger, better, and more precise. I believe Terrence Crawford walks away in this fight. I'm going to say 11th round, TKO, finishes the fight, Earl Spence, who may be up on the scorecards at this point when he gets stopped. But I just believe that those little mistakes that he makes at range, the movement struggles going backwards. And, you know, I think in Earl Spence's nature, will look to exchange, because that's just in his nature, when Terrence Crawford is able to put the pressure on him, I'm going to take Terrence Crawford in this fight. I think this is going to be a great fight as far as tactically, right? I think this is a very, a very intelligent fight. It might not be as entertaining as what you're hoping is like, like I said, Hagler Hearns. I don't think it's that. I think it's more intelligent fight, but I think it has ebbs and flows to it. I think it has basically at the edge of your seat the whole time. I think Terrence Crawford is going to win and he'll make his stake his claim. First of all, as the best 147 pound of this era, probably one of the best, probably the best, you know, one of the best fighters of this era will be like him between him and Canelo from that point on. And Earl Spence and Terrence Crawford to me will be two Hall of Famers. And maybe we'll get a rematch in this fight in this beginning of a trilogy. I hope so. I hope it's something like that. But I wanted to break this fight down early. Wanted to get my prediction, make it official. And that way, going forward, I'm ready to talk it. And if you're ready to talk Earl Spence, uh, Terrence Crawford, I'm ready to talk it too. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the S-Ra Podcast.